Welcome to the DLA Piper Financial Services podcast. This series discusses the big issues in financial services, providing market and legal insight into the latest trends and challenges in the sector. Hello, I'm Tony Katz, the Global Co-Chair of DLA Piper's Financial Services Sector, based in our London office. And welcome to the latest episode of DLA Piper's Financial Services podcast. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Sophie Lesser, a financial services partner focusing on payments, banking products, lending and consumer law. Poussin Lam, financial regulatory legal director, and Gemma Reed, financial services contentious senior associate. Each of us have been heavily involved in working with banks and financial services clients on the implications of a new consumer duty. The FCA published its second consultation paper on the new consumer duty, which included draft rules and guidance. Now, of course, the FCA didn't arrive at its consultation paper on its own initiative, on the evidence of its previous feedback statement, which I think was back in 2019. It wasn't super enthusiastic about doing so, but the Financial Services Act 2021 gave the FCA clear instructions carry out a public consultation, publish your analysis and any draft rules in final rules by the 31st of July 2022. So the consultation closed on the 15th of February. The consultation proposes a new consumer principle, principle 12, a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail clients. Well, let's discuss what that means. So I guess, why has the FCA consulted on the consumer duty? Gemma. It was the FCA's opinion, Tony, that the current rules and guidance was not resulting in the right outcomes for the customer. And so the FCA decided to consult on the consumer duty. And it's being introduced in order to bring about a fundamental shift in regulation in order to address the consumer harms that the FCA says were not previously being addressed by the current rules and guidance within the handbook. So the overarching sentiment of the consumer duty is that firms should look to have consistent and robust product development, approval and monitoring in place for all lines, whether or not regulated. And the consultation paper CP2136 sets out a governance expectation and emphasises institutional mindset and management responsibility at its forefront. So the new consumer duty will apply to all firms undertaking retail business, including distributors and manufacturers, and it will also apply to closed existing and new business of all financial services. So it's going to focus, I guess they've talked about the four outcomes, the products and service outcome, price and fair value outcome, consumer understanding outcome, and consumer support, which supports and enables customers to realise benefits of the products and services they purchased. So I guess most importantly for the industry, what are the key issues and challenges for firms in implementing the consumer duty? Well, I think, you know, as Gemma was just saying, it's a big mindset shift. This is a big piece of work. And one of the key points that people have been talking about and thinking about in the context of the consultation is, although this is not supposed to have uh, retrospectivity. The consumer duty does apply to closed products in firms' back books. So whilst the consultation does say this applies only to a limited 
perspective, we've still got to think about duties around products and services being fit for purpose, pricing considerations on a going forward basis for these closed products, as well as the products alive and being sold. So there is a broad suite of products that firms need to think about and possibly in slightly different ways. Along those lines as well, thinking about the suite of areas we need to think about. Obviously, these the duty sits alongside other rules and regulations, particularly if we think about the consumer duty as being very focused on uh, collation and reporting of data, using that data for the purposes of implementing the duty, and thinking about how this sits alongside existing rules like GDPR, the Equality Act, and for firms to work out how to piece these pieces together and make sure they work together And one of the other key areas that I think is worth mentioning today as well is how the new principle sits alongside the existing handbook requirements for regulated business. Obviously, there are going to be comprehensive changes need to be made quite urgently, but we need to work out where they are consistent, any possible issues around differences. So, for instance, principles six and seven, TCF, communications, they're disapplied where the duty applies, but in certain cases, the guidance will apply. How does this work? What's the overlap? Kind of, Are there any areas of grey or uncertainty? How do firms manage and align those different requirements? And of course, with a rule change as broad reaching as this, there's going to be a degree of inconsistency that needs to be aligned both kind of from a regulator perspective and also from a firm perspective as well. So, Sophie, you're mentioning inconsistency, and this is one of the issues which has been raised by firms, is how this will be interpreted. I guess we've got to think about it, how to be interpreted both by the FCA as well as the Ombudsman Service. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the key things that's flagged there is the role of the FOS in terms of complaints. Obviously, again, this is a significant, very high profile change. Pusan, that's something that you've been looking at, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah, so a lot of firms have expressed concern about the FOS interpreting the consumer duty inconsistently. So the FOS decides cases on what is fair and reasonable and is required to take into account rules, guidance and standards of practice, but it's not really bound by their own decisions. And we have seen the FOS taking very different and probably conflicting approaches to making their decisions. And so we do understand this concern. However, the FSA has said that it will work closely with the FOS to try and ensure a consistent approach. And we saw an example of this a couple of years ago in the context of the COVID business interruption loans, where the FOS agreed with the FSA's interpretation on how complaints relating to those loans should be assessed. So we're just hoping to see kind of a similar approach here. So firms have seen the second consumer duty and they know that their response, some of them have contributed to the response to the FCA, but timing is going to be important and how quickly firms need to be moving and stepping up their plans. What's your thoughts in terms of timing, Gemma? It is one of the greatest challenges I think that firms are going to face is the proposed implementation period. The FCA have proposed in their consultation paper that there will be an implementation period of nine months. And that, in our view, is simply too short for firms to be able to review all of their current products, prices, policies and systems, all of their processes and documentation, and to amend and supplement them where necessary, where they need to be brought in line to ensure adherence to the consumer duty. UK Finance's response to the consultation has reinforced the requirement for a significantly longer period of implementation, and we hope that the FCA will take that on board. And that request was not limited 
simply to a, an extension of the uh, implementation period, but also to potentially the introduction of the rules on a phased basis to enable firms to really get to grips with the consumer duty and bring it in appropriately and ensure nothing is missed. The short implementation period is going to put significant pressure on firms and limit firms' ability to devote resources to advance other initiatives within their business, both mandatory and commercial. And we think it will disproportionately affect smaller firms where compliance represents a larger share of the overall investment budgets. So firms are going to need to make commercial decisions on what steps, if any, they should be making now prior to the consumer duty actually being brought into force to ensure they have sufficient time to implement the consumer duty if that implementation timeframe is not otherwise altered. Well, I mean, you were saying earlier, weren't you, Gemma, this is a, a mindset shift. It's more than a tick box exercise to assume that a firm across its products, you know, its customer life cycle can make the kind of root and branch cultural changes that this is anticipating, you know, even if you're a monoline, is quite a tall order, I think. Absolutely. And I think there's a real risk if the implementation period is not extended, that that is exactly how firms will implement it. It will become a tip box exercise and it will completely miss what the FCA is seeking to achieve with its introduction. So firms are in a slightly difficult position because there's been pushback about the implementation period to say that a nine-month period is not going to be long enough. But firms won't know, probably until the end of July, when we have the final rules, what that implementation period is. So there's a bit of this limbo period, how much preparation to do. So I guess what are firms doing? Please then, what are we seeing firms doing at the moment? Firms are putting together project teams to try and get to grips with the new consumer duty, what it is, how it impacts a business and what it needs to do to comply. They're performing gap and business impact analysis on their policies and procedures, etc., which is challenging given the breadth of the requirements. So gap analysis might need to be done across all business lines and functions and further iterations might be required as a firm develops its knowledge and understanding of the requirements. It's almost a question, isn't it, Peace, and of thinking kind of across all the different touch points that you have, again, from a customer journey perspective and from a management perspective, kind of top down and left to right in a way, to kind of think about all the different touch points and what bearing it can have. Yes, absolutely correct. So after getting understanding of the consumer duty, then there will be a process of going through all the firm's policies, procedures, websites, communication to customers, customer agreements, etc., and consider what changes need to be made to comply with the consumer duty. And we expect that there may be certain products where the firm considers, well, there's not really much we can do about them. And so therefore, you know, let's just kind of retire them, take them off the market or it becomes too costly or too risky for the firm to continue offering those products. So, Pusan, I was just saying, so I guess obviously there's a review of the documents themselves, the gap analysis, the review of the documents. Presume there's a lot of process as well, almost from an IT perspective, the systems will have to be changed. Yes. So, I mean, a lot of firms operate online businesses as well as physical businesses. So just take an example the communication outcomes requires firms' communication to be clear, fair, not misleading, which is not necessarily new, 
But what the FSA is trying to achieve with the consumer duty is to get rid of what they call sludge practices, barriers to firms from switching products or exiting products or customer journeys, which kind of, you know, doesn't really give consumers time to make proper decisions. And we've seen other bits of work from the FCA, you know, in terms of their work on financial promotions and high risk investments that they published last year, which is kind of putting extra steps in place in a customer journey. So the firm's customer facing IT online systems would need to be looked at and potentially amended. Gemma, what are your thoughts in terms of the IT changes which will be required? I think Pusan's captured most of it, but there's certainly going to need to be changes to improve customer experience, certainly on external platforms. And that, of course, can only really be started once the firms have decided on the products and services that meet the consumer duty requirements and need to be amended accordingly. And that could take many, many months or even years, depending on certain factors such as the hosting of data and, and how that is held the size and complexity of websites, IT and security policies, testing requirements, training and design, etc. So it's a huge, huge undertaking for firms in order to get their internal systems up and running to ensure that they adhere to the consumer duty, but also to ensure that their external IT systems cover off all of the elements that they need to cover. I mean, I would expect as part of that, obviously, the consultation has said from a perspective of firms as purchases of services that you know as the deliverer of the financial services you're on the hook for compliance over where you are purchasing in services including say IT there's going to have to be some thought to flow up and flow down of the duty in the broader sense so for example if you're dependent on other people for infrastructure that's necessary for you to capture kind of certain data and MI you're going to have to think across quite broadly beyond products to actually where is the broader suite how does the consumer duty affect me as a business beyond my customer interfaces as well and following on from Sophie's comment that will necessitate in terms of the monitoring and testing that firms will be required to continue to undertake once the consumer duty is implemented a much greater collection of customer data which sort of feeds into the IT requirements and the need for systems changes as firms will need to engage in continual review testing and record keeping as Sophie mentioned earlier this will require firms to keep one eye firmly on their other regulatory obligations including as to the GDPR firms will need significant time to build out and embed these capabilities. So as DLA, certainly what we're seeing, so what, I guess what the firm's doing at the moment, we've seen the biggest banks, financial services firms, starting off on the education piece and working with their senior management. So having sessions with boards and with the executives of those institutions to set the culture, the tone of the top, what it means um, and how significant the change will be for that institution. Thereafter, they are putting together risk workshops, having project teams, and often the risk workshops are bringing together the heads of each of the areas which may be impacted from the product side or the customer service side, communications, and to have a shared tone of the implications for that institution and what the institution expects. And then we're seeing, and this is probably where we are at the moment, each of those heads of the particular areas are being tasked with carrying out the gap analysis and to establish what is needed to be changed within their areas and to report back on those. So at the moment, it will be at the assessment of the gap analysis 
and then moving across and using the implementation period, which um, we expect from the FCA, to put those changes into effect. So thank you all for joining us. This brings us to the end of this episode. I'm Tony Katz. I want to thank once again Sophie Lesser, Poussin Lam and Gemma Reed for joining me today. Of course, if you'd like to discuss any more detail on the issues which have been raised, please do get in touch with the usual contacts at DLA Piper. Many thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Any information in this podcast is for general guidance only and is correct as of the date of recording. This podcast is not intended to be and should not be used as a substitute for taking legal advice in any specific situation. For full terms and conditions, please see our website. If you'd like to hear more of the DLA Piper Financial Services podcast series, subscribe now through your usual podcast app.